The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. All right, welcome everybody. Good to see y'all. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. We're going to get into the study of David. We're going to study the life of David, David but we're going to study a specific part of his life. Um, we're going to study the time from... When we get introduced to David in the Bible, he's just a kid, probably like middle school is what I'm thinking. I don't know if they had middle school back then, but it would be like that age. So, uh, and then uh, we'll study him up until the time that he becomes the king of Israel, which was around that time he was 30 years old. Where's the group from Wisconsin? Where y'all at? Welcome. What was the drive time for y'all? T- two days, y'all split it up? welcome you guys are you guys are champs man that's a long drive I've done that drive to where they're from and it is a haul welcome to everybody though it's good to have y'all we have a saying here on Mondays we meet on Monday mornings and staff worship have several things that we do on Mondays that uh, we want our staff to be encouraged along the way they're doing ministry they're pouring out and so a couple of new things we've been doing this summer it's been really helpful but uh Right before we introduce all the group names of all, like all of y'all that are coming, um, our staff will yell that it is week one. Week one. Week one. And the reason that's significant is this is our eighth week of camp. But for ninth week of camp, it, it really starts, it's important to just call it week one. <laughs> then it doesn't matter. But the, the point of, that being that for us it's nine weeks that we've done this but for y'all it's it's your only week of summer camp so we want to come into this week recognizing that it is the only week that we have with y'all it's the only week that I'm going to preach a Monday night message to y'all it's the only week that your river guide is going to take you down the Nanahala River it's the only week that your share group leader is going to sit in a share group and have conversation with you about Jesus, about who he is, about what he's done, about what he thinks about you and how he cares about you. And we want you to know that we take this week very serious. And we want God to change your life while you're here. We believe that he can. It's supposed to be rainy, I think, but man, it's a, this is literally a rainforest where we live. It's a designated rainforest. So if it rains, we'll play in the rain. Cool? We play. If it rains, we'll just... A little bit of water ain't never hurt nobody, so we'll just roll with it, all right? Who's this group right here that is very excited? Highland Heights? Is that who we got? Oh, very. They're excited. Yeah, excited. Talking back to me. I like that. I like when the people in the front are are chattering. I like that. Where's the renegade wrestler bunch? Should have known. Ugly mug right there. Should have known that. But it's going to be an awesome week because you're here. We're here, and the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. And he's going to teach us about who he is. He's going to teach you about what a relationship with him is all about. And I believe that for some of us, we're going to have a life-changing experience this week. I think that's going to happen. And we're going to, we're going to experience the Lord through the lens of studying the story of the life of David. David's life is put in the Bible, listen, so that we can learn more about Jesus who actually came into the world a thousand years after David. 
But David's life is pointing us to Jesus. He is a type of Christ. That means he's a type of rescuer, deliverer. He's a man that as a boy God marked and raised up to deliver his people from their enemies. The previous king was a guy named Saul. And before David could become king, Saul and his family was on the throne. And Saul had led the country away from God. And as a result, the country needed somebody to come in and deliver them from their enemies. And the country was called Israel. That was the nation. And Israel is representative of who we are as Christians in the story. In the story. I mean, they're a, they're a unique people with a unique culture and history. But we can learn a lot from them and what they show us about what it's like to walk in disobedience to the Lord, to find yourself in a bad situation, and to need a rescuer. David is a rescuer. He is a deliverer who God raises up. But the ultimate deliverer, the ultimate rescuer, is the Lord Jesus. He's the ultimate Christ. Christ means deliverer, the one who would bring salvation. David is a type of Christ. Jesus is the ultimate Christ. So as we study David, we'll learn about Jesus. Tonight we're going to study thir uh, 13 verses. So tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, we're going to study 1 Samuel 16 and 17, broken up into three sermons, three messages, okay? We'll keep these messages hopefully practical and where you can grab a hold of them and learn something from them. So let's dive in. One other thing before we get into this. When the, the word in your Bible is all caps, L-O-R-D, L-O-R-D, you will see Lord appear in your Bible two different ways. One, it will be in lowercase. One, it will be in all caps. When it is in all caps, um, it is the name of God in the Old Testament, which is Yahweh. Have you ever heard that? The name of the Lord in ancient Israel was Yahweh. And so oftentimes when your Bible might say the Lord, what you'll hear the pastor or the reader say is Yahweh. And so don't be confused by that, okay? So let's dive in. First Samuel 16, verse 1, the Lord, Yahweh, said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. And Yahweh said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to Yahweh and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you Samuel did what Yahweh commanded and came to Bethlehem the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said do you come peaceably and he said peaceably I have come to sacrifice to Yahweh consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice when they came he looked on Eliab and thought surely Yahweh's anointed is before him but Yahweh said to Samuel, do not look on the appearance, on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For Yahweh sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and said, neither has Yahweh chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has Yahweh chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, Yahweh has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, 
There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And Yahweh said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed on David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Okay, so let's, let's, let me unpack the story, kind of give you a summary overview of the story. So there's this guy named Samuel. Samuel is the prophet of Israel. That means he's actually the spiritual leader of Israel. Now, we don't have, in the modern day, we don't have prophets like that. Like we, you have a pastor, you have pastors at your church, student pastors, and, 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 and people who are in ministry leadership. At Snowbird, we have pastors and leaders. But we don't have like a national prophet. Probably the closest thing we had to that was, I've often heard that Billy Graham, who died a few years ago, that he was like a spiritual advisor to something like eight presidents, something like that. But it's still not, that just means he was kind of like, would give them pastoral counsel. The prophet in the olden days, before Jesus came into the world, the prophet would take the word of God and then he would instruct the king with the word of God. He would say to the king, here's what God says. And then the king would answer in response to the prophet. And so the king wasn't the final authority. God was. The king wasn't the final authority in Israel. God was. And the prophet was the spokesperson for the Lord, for Yahweh. And so Samuel is that guy. And Samuel had really invested a lot into Saul, who was the current king. But Saul had turned away from the Lord. In fact, he was dealing with like, some mental illness stuff. He was dealing with like losing his mind because of his decisions. And so Samuel is grieving the fact that Saul has turned away from the Lord. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where somebody you really care about has walked with Jesus and then turned away from Jesus. You ever had that happen? I've had that happen a lot. I would say pastors, student pastors, adult leaders who are in, in our presence tonight, we've all had that experience and it's heartbreaking. Somebody that you invested in, somebody that you loved and cared about, somebody that you watched God do great things. Man, I can think of, there's a staff picture of Snowbird staff from about six years ago. And in one little circle, there's 150 people, 180 people in that. And I can put my hands like this. And in that one little circle, there's about 15 faces and seven of them have now walked away from Jesus. I don't know what they're doing, but they've walked away. They've turned away. And I want you to know that if you're in Christ, then you're not, then, then not going to walk away. You may drift away for a season. You may turn away and pursue the things of the world. But the scripture is really clear that those of us who are in Christ will endure to the end. We will persevere in our faith to the end. I don't know what Saul's situation was, but I know at this point in the story, he has lost his mind, he's turned away, he's grieved the heart of Samuel. And we can all identify with that. A couple of things, a couple of thoughts on this, as I've thought about this this weekend and thinking about this with our staff, something that I would like to give y'all to think about. When somebody you care about turns away from Jesus, don't gossip about them by acting like you care and want to want to pray for them. This is something I see sometimes where somebody will say, well, did you hear about so-and-so? She's, do she's doing such and such, and man, we just need to pray for her. No, but we need to really sincerely pray for people 
who turn away from the Lord. Saul has turned away from the Lord and Samuel's heart is grieved and Samuel has gone before the Lord on Saul's behalf and pled with the Lord to save Saul, to turn him back, to rescue him from his, from his sin and his mental illness and instability. But in the, in the midst of that, um, God says to Samuel, he's like, well, here's the thing, man, I'm going to raise up a new king. And I'm not going to, y'all know the way that kings usually come along is they come in the line like, like the oldest son would be the next king or something like that. Y'all know that from like the stories because we don't have kings in America. Thank the Lord. We don't have kings. But like that, y'all know how that works, right? Like the, the prince becomes the king or the princess becomes the queen. And some of y'all ladies, some of y'all when you're little, you play princess. You have all them Disney princess dresses. I had one, I had one daughter that had every single Disney princess dress. She's an adult now. She's a married adult now, and she's not here, so I can tell this. But I can remember I had to role play every, like, dude in every Disney princess movie. And also, I had to be Shrek, and I had to be that dude from Monsters, Inc., Sully. But I remember that, I remember that daughter, she loved, she was like three years old, and, she, and I would rig her a harness with, the, uh, with some webbing. It's called a, a Swiss seat. I would rig her a Swiss seat harness and then rig her a chest harness and put her on a three-man swing and she'd wear her Tinkerbell outfit. And I'd put her on a zip line and she'd wear that Tinkerbell. She thought that was the greatest thing. She said, why? To this day, she's like a roller coaster junkie, man. She loved, she thought she was a princess. Well, in some cultures, some societies, there's like a real, like a position of being a princess. That means your dad's the king. That means you might, you're going to continue to be royalty. We see it in the people in Great Britain, but let's be honest, and people are goofy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can I get an amen on that? Could, could, just everybody, okay, can we all agree that 1776 was a solid year for us when we broke out from under that, you know what I'm saying? America. So, so anyway, in the ancient days, the king ruled and then his son or daughter, typically in this time period, the son would rule next. So what God is saying to Samuel is, I'm removing this king, and with him, I'm removing his family line. In fact, his sons would ultimately die with him in a, in a terrible defeat in battle. And he says, I'm going to raise up a new king. I'm going to raise up a new king. And his dad is a guy named Jesse, and he lives in this town called Bethlehem. Y'all heard of that, right? Bethlehem, that's where Jesus was born. This is the town of David is what Bethlehem is called. And so he's like, there's this guy in Bethlehem. His name's Jesse. I want you to go over there, and I want you to hold a worship service. And at the end of that worship service, you're going to have a feast and a sacrifice. But I want you to meet with this guy, Jesse, because one of his sons is going to be the next king. Well, Jesse's just some cat that's like raising sheep and animals and has land outside of this town called Bethlehem. So Samuel goes down there, and then... What happens next is they bring in all of Jesse's sons. They're like, oh, he must mean the firstborn because that was the cultural thing. And the firstborn, this guy named Eliab, he was big. Like he was tall, he was big. He physically looked the part. You're like, we want that dude to be our king. He like when he walks out in front of the army, because back in those days, the king would like lead their people in battle. Did you know that? Like our, our president doesn't, we always have older dudes as president. We wouldn't want those dudes like, you know, like leading our Navy SEALs. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like 
the other, the older George Bush, he was like in his 80s, you know, or like the president now, like, come on, guys, got their comms and, you know, call of duty. Now, we don't do that, right? Our leaders stay behind. No, y'all hold your jokes. I could, people, you can't talk about politics in church. People start doing this, telling jokes. All right, you know, like, I'm not, that's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm saying there was a time where kings would lead their people in battle. She's like, well, Saul had been, when he was a young man and he got made into the, like the office of king was given to him, it said he was a head taller than everybody in all of the land. A head taller, that's a lot, man. I don't know how tall that, like in our day, that would mean you're probably, I don't know, like six, 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 probably six, eight now is what that would be. Now, I don't know what that, we don't know, but he was big. He was a big strapping dude. And so then when, when um, uh, Samuel goes to Jesse's house, the first son that comes out is this guy named uh, Eliab. And he must have been a really big guy. And they're like, this has got to be the guy right here, Eliab. And the Lord says to Samuel, no, that's not the guy. You see, you're looking at his outward physical appearance. This is what we tend to do. We tend to look at the beauty or the strength in the eye of humanity like what do people see as beautiful what do people see as cool or attractive or popular what are we striving for in the context of the culture around us but God doesn't judge people the way people judge people God doesn't care how how like what your fastball is like God doesn't care how gifted you are musically he cares about those things I wouldn't say he doesn't care but those things don't impress him what impresses the Lord is what you do with the gifts he's given you and what you do from your heart to honor him and care about other people. Here's what impresses God. People who are obedient, people who love other people, people who worship the Lord, people who love his word, love the word of God, read it and love it and worship him. Like God looks at the heart. What is your heart like? That's the, that's the question. Right in the middle of that text in verse 7, God looks at the heart. In fact, if we turned back three chapters, we would see there was a verse where God says to Samuel, I'm removing Saul as king. I'm putting a new king in place. And that guy is going to be a guy after my heart. His heart is going to align with my heart. He's going to desire the things that I desire. He's going to love the things that I love. He's going to hate the things that I hate. He's going to be conformed into my image through a relationship with me. That's the man that I'm after. That's what we can learn is that as men and women, we can be people who have a heart for the Lord. And so they march Eliab right on out of there. Then they march these other brothers. One of them's name's uh, Abinadab. And then they bring all these dudes. There's like seven of them. Can you imagine growing up in a house with seven boys? Especially when about, when about four of them are teenagers. You know what I mean? I only got, I got six kids. Some of y'all are like, I thought you had five. I picked one up since last year. That's what we do at my house. <laughs> I got a new 11-year-old. He ain't new, but he's new in my house, like, right? So now I got three boys, three girls, right? So I can tell you this. There's my two, one boy's gone, grown out of the house. That one that's out of the house almost burned the house down one time because he lit the shower curtain on fire. Because <laughs> he thought, because he was at his grandma's house and they had matches on the toilet for getting rid of the smell, you know? Because let's be honest, flower potpourri does not, does not help what's going on in that bathroom. <laughs> it just smells like 
you ate a bunch of flowers and then pooped, you know, like, oh. And so he had, he had lit some matches, caught the bathroom on fire. These boys I got at the house right now, they're nuts. They're craziest humans I've ever seen in my life. I ain't never seen anything like it. And then there's like a boy, there's one boy right down the road here, two boys on the, across the road over here, one boy up the road here. So all together, there's like six or seven of them. And they're always into some mess. Last week, my nine-year-old straight pure drove the four-wheeler through the wall of the neighbor's barn. Cost me money. Had to replace the whole corner of his barn. Brand new barn, tin side, and ripped that mess out. I don't know how a kid didn't get killed. So anyway, he's grounded from the four-wheeler, you know. Like, I can't imagine seven boys in the house. But that's the, that's the deal. They march every one of them boys through there. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. And they're like, is that, and Samuel's like, is that all you got? God told me, Yahweh told me to come here that there's a, there's a, a boy here that's going to be the next king. He's like, oh, I mean, the youngest one. He's like, well, is he a boy? Well, yeah. Well, he counts. Like, he counts. Like, just because he's little don't mean he don't count, you know? Like, just be, I would say a word to middle schoolers. Do we have any up-and-coming sixth graders in here? That's young. Do we have any up-and-coming up and coming seventh graders? Got quite a few of them. Well, I would say to middle schoolers, and I would also say this to high schoolers, you're in the season of life where people expect you to just goof off and not be super serious and not do anything that really matters. But I believe that there are pictures in Scripture of young men and young women living their lives in their teenage years in such a way that they impact the people around them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a sixth grader, seventh grader, ninth grader, twelfth grader, you could be on mission for the gospel to help build the kingdom of God by living it out, walking it out, and loving people the way Jesus loves people. And so they've marched David in there. They're like, here's David. He's out in the field taking care of sheep. It's, it's funny, the description. It said he was, it's like, he's a good-looking kid. It's kind of funny. That's going to come back up later. It said uh, in verse 12, they sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And Yahweh said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Samuel's like, that kid's big. This dude's big. That guy, you none of these guys know. Oh, here comes a little fellow. Oh, that's a good-looking kid. That's the king. Oh, okay. All right, then. All right. And so he says, anoint him. And the way they would do this is they would take a horn. Now, you people that ain't from... Around here, excuse the way I say the word O-I-L, but the word's oil, all right? And I, you're like, what is that? What does he keep saying? And so he would take, it would be a, um, a horn, and it would have pressed olive oil in it, and they would take that, and it would pour that out. It was, a, it was like a ceremonial act called anointing. They would anoint, and, and that oil represented the Holy Spirit. And so he's pouring it onto David's head. So right in front, look, all them boys, all them brothers, can you imagine being Eliab, the one big one, he's like, seriously, that's my king? I mean, I gave him a wedgie yesterday, like, like an atomic wedgie. I had that sucker's tunic wrapped all the way around his forehead, man. It was awesome. And they're like, he's my, are you kidding me? You know, but this is one of those foreshadowings to Jesus even where Jesus' own brothers despised him. Like, yeah, they despised him until after the resurrection. We're going to see in the story later that David's brothers, they, they are a big hurdle for him. They, they don't believe in him. But he anoints him to be the next king. And it says the Spirit of God rushed on him. And in rushing on him, the Spirit of God empowered him. 
And what he empowered him for was a couple of things. He empowered and equipped him for the calling that God had for him. What was that calling? To become king. To become king. But he also equipped him and prepared him for the conflict that awaited. As a believer, as a Christ follower, as a person that commits and surrenders your life to Jesus, you need to understand that as you walk with Jesus, conflict is going to come into your life. Difficulty is going to come into your life. Hardship is going to come into your life. But, but like, here's the thing. You're not going to face that by yourself. Even if you don't have any really good friends in your world, you're not going to face that by yourself. Jesus is never going to leave you alone. He's never going to leave you by yourself. He's always going to have his presence with you. And so the Spirit of God rushed on David to prepare him. David would be the next king. So let me give you these five things to take away and maybe discuss in share groups tonight. Things to consider. The first thing to consider is consider the sadness of Samuel. Oftentimes in our life, we come to a place of sadness. What that means is God's getting ready to do what the Scripture calls a new thing. He's getting ready to start a new beginning. God is the God of new beginnings. If you're at a season in your life or you come to a place in your life where you feel sadness because of loss or sadness because of hurt through relationship, God is the God of new beginnings. The second thing we see is that God always has a plan. God always has a plan. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for this week. He has a plan for Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. He has a plan for your kids, 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 children's children's children. Like He has a plan. God is working through history, and he always has a plan. But the third thing is this. God's plan oftentimes is not the plan that man would choose. A lot of times God's going to call his people to do things that don't make sense in the, words, in the world's eyes. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, listen, there's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians that says that God takes, in the gospel, God takes the thing that seems foolish to the world and he makes, and he brings about the wisdom of God through it. Let me read you this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a passage of scripture about the gospel and God's plan of salvation. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart. In other words, God chooses the thing that the world can't understand and he does great things through it. The gospel, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, is the power of God. Romans 1 says this same thing. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. The word power in the Greek language was, was this word. The word was dunamis. And it's the word we get dynamite from. And it's this idea of explosive power. When the gospel takes hold of somebody's life, it's explosive. It's defining. It's identity-giving. It's empowering. God takes the thing that nobody can understand and he infuses his power into it. That brings us to the fourth thing, which is God's surprising choice. We have to consider David in the same way we would consider Jesus who came into the world, born of a virgin in a tiny little place, in a barn and laid in a manger in a time in history where his people were oppressed. He was not what people would see as a conquering king. But what Jesus came to conquer was sin, and death, and hell, and the grave. 
And the last thing that we see is that picture of the Spirit of God rushing on David to equip him for the calling that he had given him and the conflict that was going to come. David's going to face conflict. We need to take hope as Christians in knowing that when we face conflict, when we face conflict, the Spirit of God lives and dwells inside each of us who have put our faith and our trust in the Lord and who have received the gift of salvation that Jesus offers to us. David's going to go on to do great things, and he'll experience many failures and many incredible moments of victory. But as we study him, let's be reminded that Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater deliverer. Jesus is the perfect king, anointed by God, by the same spirit, to face temptation in the wilderness, to conquer temptation in his life, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to go to a cross and to die in our place, and to not stay dead, to willingly lay his life down and to, by the power of that spirit, take his life up again so that he might bring us with him through the power of resurrection. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.